Hey listeners, producer Cam here. Let's get you cleaned up for opening day with Manscaped. Manscaped is dedicated to helping you level up your full body grooming game. They have forever changed the grooming game with their Perfect Package 3.0. The Perfect Package 3.0 kit comes with the Essential Lawnmower 3.0, cordless body trimmer, and a ton of other liquid formulations to round out your manscaping routine. And guess what? Inside the Perfect Package, you'll also find the Manscaped Crop Preserver, an anti-chafing undercarriage deodorant and moisturizer because we all know how painful chafing can be. Get 20% off and free shipping with your purchase at manscaped.com using the code THEATHLETIC20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com. And use the code THEATHLETIC20. Again, that's all one word, THEATHLETIC20. And for a limited time, subscribers get not one, but two free gifts. The Shed Travel Bag, a $39 value, and the patented high-performance anti-chafing Manscaped Boxer Brief. So go to manscaped.com today. And use the code THEATHLETIC20. Let's get to the show. Seven fifty-five is real with David O'Brien and Eric O'Flaherty. Welcome back. Seven fifty-five is real. Baseball is back. Eric, I'm David O'Brien, Braves writer for. The Athletic, and I'm with my co-host, Eric O'Flaherty, former Braves reliever. Eric, man, baseball's back. This is weird, dude. <laughs> yeah, but it's awesome. I mean, it, is it was awesome. so nice just to sit on the couch and have a few yeah. beers yesterday with something to watch. Yeah. Yeah, it was It was unfortunate that the two games turned out to be not nearly as good as we thought they were going to be. Yeah. Because Stant, Stanton hit as it was – correctly categorized as a Stantonian home run in the first inning. Good Lord, that was crushed off yeah, Scherzer. Off Scherzer. So, I mean, it felt like they were in control that whole way until uh, until it got rained out, which seems to happen every time we every go to Washington. Day. But every time we go to Washington, the Braves, oh, yeah. every time they go, there's at least one rain out or rain delay. Every time. I mean, and it rains like it did that torrential and I'm sure they say the same thing about Atlanta because it rains here a lot too. But man, it seems like every time we go to Atlanta, uh, DC, and Pittsburgh, there's always a game that gets rained out. It has to be made up as a doubleheader, or, or we sit through a three-hour delay. But anyway, um, so th- so that game got, that got banged after six innings. But fortunately, you know the the new rules. Uh, it, it ends in, it ends as a six inning full game. And even if it had stopped before five innings in the past, you would have had to restart the whole game. Not, not, not now. They're going to pick it up and finish like the next day. They're going to, they're going to start from that point because they don't want teams, you know, spending more time than they need to at the ballparks and all that. So I like that rule. I like that. that they should keep that rule, in my opinion, once things are back. Yeah. Going. I've always thought that. Yes. But. I don't know, man. Watching that game it was crazy. The DH knocks in three runs in the first yeah. first game. I mean, that's that's a different <laughs> lineup. League park. Yeah, that's a different lineup you're facing when the Yankees can throw a DH in there. Um, and then the second game, we thought we were going to have uh, Kershaw, you know, who's yep still a really good opening day starter or has been, but <laughs> he gets put on the DL on the first day. Jesus, man, with a back another back injury. He's had one. DL stint, or at least one DL stint for a back injury in like six of the past eight years. I, he's falling apart, man. I mean, it's a lot of mileage, and he's. Yeah. I think that you see that too. With he wasn't like a, he was never a finesse guy. He was, mm-hmm. he was power fastball, power curveball, using his whole body. 
Yeah. Uh, it's pro- I'm guessing it's it's probably something to do with his hips. You know, that they just get worn out and then your back starts taking the brunt of it. Uh-huh. And there's only so much maintenance you can do. But, yeah, I think it's, he's missed playoff games. He's been on the DL a lot. It's uh, I hate seeing that, man, because I'm older than yeah. him. But when you see guys that you've watched, like, their whole career start getting yeah. old, makes you feel real old. Does it that that I've always thought that that funky delivery he has, which helped him so much because it was so deceptive or so different, you know, kind of like Cueto, so different. But that looks like it would just be a grind if your hips or your back were hurting. That that what he does that motion. For me, it's just that that how long his stride is. Uh-huh. I mean, he he really uses lower half. There's uh-huh. and he he explodes off the mound, and you watch him finish. He gets all the way through his front side. That's why I think it's you know his it's probably his front hips just jacked up and it, it just weighs on his whole body, huh. but yeah he been straight over the top with a twelve six curveball you can't beat that I mean he was kind of getting compared to Koufax and everything but it just shows you man how hard it is to stay healthy. The uh, and then you watch Cueto in that nightcap and you really appreciate he's such a throwback <laughs> there are just no pitchers like him anymore that everybody now it's all about repeating your delivery and everything yeah. and he's the total opposite of that. He doesn't have a single shit left to give. Did you see that? <laughs> Did you see the pitch he almost fell over on? He was messing around with his timing. Yeah. <laughs> like, if he cared at all, he'd probably be out of the game, but he's just so free out there. I mean, you yeah. can tell the guys. I talk about that a lot, like just playing a game and how important it yeah. is. Um, that's all he's doing, and, and that's why he's good, because he's just making stuff up and, and having yeah. fun. You talked about uh, Acuna playing like backyard baseball. Him That's and Ozzy. Like, this guy is that to the extreme. He looks like one of us if we like in the backyard route playing wiffle ball. And like, here's Louis Tiant. We're doing a Louis Tiant. Yep. You know, he does that in games. <laughs> but there's a lot of value in that. You know, yeah. if you if you see a player that gets into a slump, and you'll see them like you'll see them in the clubhouse. They're always messing with their swing, and they're putting their hands here, and they're putting their hands a certain place. And I, I fell victim to it too, you know, trying to get back to certain mechanics you had in the past. I don't think Johnny Cueto spends much time in the video room. <laughs> I give me the He's ball. He's making it I, up as he goes, man. Yeah, he is. But, but, you know, your body changes over the years. There's always little things that you can't do anymore. And you just can kind of make it up. But you watch those guys in the slump, man, and they're overthinking everything. They're so conscious of where their hands and everything's at. And they turn into these, robot, into these, these robots that they're not playing a game anymore. It turns into yeah. something so much harder than that. Um, and you watch what he does and you watch guys like that or a guy like Bartolo yeah. that just play the game and just figure out a way to get it done on a day-to-day basis. It always impresses me. And I think there's so much value in that mindset. If he just had his the stuff that he has now and he repeated the same delivery again and again, he would not oh. be effective, I don't think. Uh, the hitters are just – their no, timing no is completely thrown off by what he does. Hitters are. Well, you can, like you, you think about trying to anticipate what pitch is coming. <laughs> well, who's throwing it? You know, there's yeah. 17 Johnny Cuetos coming at you yeah. every time. I mean, it could be a quick pitch. He could, yeah, he the could pause thing, fall over, get, regain his balance, and then decide I'm still going to do the original pause I had planned and go back uh-huh. to it. It's <laughs> uh-huh. like you know, three leg pumps. Uh, it's got to be maddening. I wish you know. I wish I would have. That's the type of stuff that I didn't do when. Uh-huh. You know, when I was starting to lose my stuff is I didn't really toy around with many things. I kept doing the same thing over and over and it kept failing. Um, you know, throw a stupid like loopy slow curveball or mix in a change up. Um, it's it's hard to it's so hard to do it on that that scale, you know, on on, on, yeah. on the major league yeah. level to, to toy around with that and trust it because the, you know, the risk is so high that if you have a bad game and 
you feel that pressure, but to be as chill as Johnny Cueto and be able to go out there and do it, I mean, it's impressive, man. It takes balls because it takes got balls. Lit up, if yep. he got lit up, it'd look comical, you know. But if he you give care. up a go-ahead homer on one of those it. stupid deliveries, yeah. it's like, yeah. But the reason you don't, because I think the hitter's so distracted by whatever the hell you're doing, and and you notice that he did that one where he kind of tilted over, looked like he lost his balance, regained it, and then did another pause <laughs> and threw like he just threw like a bullshit fastball up because his yeah. timing his timing had to be messed up on that one. But the next pitch he quick pitches and throws at like a ninety mile an hour fastball right down to the middle to Bellinger and Bellinger's late yeah. flies out to left field. I mean, you know, it so it had an effect on the next pitch too. He just keeps him guessing. There's hardly anybody that quick pitches anymore, and he combines quick pitching with also doing the pause thing. And it's like if you're a hitter, you got to be, you got to step in the box and be ready, man. You just don't know. Yeah, it's just so different. I think it's an inconvenience for him too. You know, it's just a battle they don't want to fight. It probably pisses him off a little bit, but oh yeah, I'm sure it does. But what are you going to say? A lot more guys mixing that in. You can't say anything. It's not illegal. Yeah. Yeah. You just look like a whiner if you're like, come on, man. You know. <laughs> but I remember when, when guys first started doing a lot of quick pitching and stuff, the hitters thought it was kind of bush. You know that. Yeah. Yep. I remember a Blue Jays hitter screaming at um, Jason Mott for doing it maybe two or three years ago. Uh-huh. And, I remember and, what he said to him. Yeah, me too. And so back then, that was it. Was kind of like a a bush move to do that. And now it's if we're doing all the bat flips and all the other stuff, it's like anything goes. So it's, it's kind of fun to watch pitchers adapt and, and kind of do their own thing out there too. Also, I think it makes a difference, obviously, if you're a veteran like Johnny Cueto and you were really good at one time and still good, but used to be really good He's as opposed to some kid doing this as a rookie that I don't <laughs> think that would fly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's another side of it. If Kyle Wright starts throwing those in, but he, you know, <laughs> he can't do that either because that's, that's the type of stuff that if you come up as a rookie and you do that and you start getting torched, you know, it's, it's going to look terrible on your character and look like you don't care or, or, you know, like you just have no clue what you're doing out there that like the stakes are so much higher once you start mixing in those yeah. weird pauses and, and different things and toying with your delivery in the big leagues. So he'd be, you know, I wouldn't recommend it for him yet. <laughs> but so, if, he, if he wants to mix up his timing, it'd be good. So the big news, uh, obviously, yesterday. Well, Kershaw was big news. Uh, Stroman going on the DL with a torn calf. That sounds like that could keep him out <laughs> at least half the season. A torn calf? I mean. Yeah, that's not fun. If not the whole season. Um, so that another another injury for the Mets, you know, pitching injury. You know, they're already out without Thor, Syndergaard. Um but the biggest news of the day was before the first pitch was even thrown. Juan Soto test positive hours before the first game of the season. I mean, and it was like a stark reminder of how different this season is yep. and how different it's going to be all year because you are, you just never know when it's going to happen. I mean, any team at any time, any player could test positive and changes everything. I mean, it's just like for them, you know, it's like, uh, he's it's a serious like, hitter, he's their Acuna. Yeah. I mean, just look what he did in the postseason. Imagine them, they would not have won. They obviously would not have won a World Series without him. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he's their, he's their scariest bat for sure. So he could be out days. He could be out two weeks. We just don't know. You know, um, he tests positive. He's asymptomatic. But then again, we've brought this up a lot of times. Will Smith's been asymptomatic for three weeks. So um, 
And it also illustrates why this, the, oh, the other news of the day yesterday was the last minute ramming this through that go from 10 games to, or 10 teams to 16 teams for the postseason. Yep. This gets done at the last minute. Nobody had even thought that this was still being discussed. And all of a sudden, we've got a 16 team playoff format. And I think Soto's injury yesterday was a was a good for me an illustration of why this 16 team game format for this season and this season alone is really reasonable and I think smart. Yeah, yeah, for sure. That you know, I'd like to know. I, th- I guess they made the adjustment and didn't have the negotiations out in public like like the last time. Right. Um, but they had to get it done know, by you, first pitch. If you look at it, um, you know, Will Smith said he misses another week, which is pretty practical right now. Yeah. Um, it, that's a month. So if you say a, a COVID test could possibly cost you a month, that's like missing 80 games in a regular season. Yeah. Like getting back so after having, the All-Star break. I mean, having 16, I think it's going to take away from from the chaos of the regular season a little bit. And I was really looking forward to seeing, you know, a, a really good team not make it or a really bad team win their division somehow. And it, it'll count a little less, but it's still a three-game set to start it yeah. off. That's what which, I like. It's not one yeah. game. It's no, not great. One game it's, can't happen. Best of fives better, but I'm so glad that they eliminated with this format, altogether eliminated the one-game format, which I cannot stand for baseball. No, one game's terrible because anything can happen in baseball in one yeah. game. I mean, Stan it doesn't happen. home run first inning and yeah. Scherzer loses. Yeah, and then they're out. Yeah. And that, that could – Stanton could have been on the Marlins still, and they snuck in and he hits those shots. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, it, yeah, I, I hate the one-game thing. I, even three games is tough as a player to to think of a series that short costing you your season. Uh-huh. Um, but it's it's way better than one. No and travel I, day. No travel day. And All there at the home team, the higher seed. Yeah, that's good too. But yeah, I'm, I hope that this kind of transfers over and they start having three-game wildcard series. Oh, man. I, I, and this is what I've, this is what I've uh, suggested all along is have – Three games without the travel day, it only yep. adds. It only adds. Even if you had to do a doubleheader, which I know is not ideal at all, but even if you if you had to, absolutely had to, the second day, if if the other team wins, evens it up, you have to play a doubleheader that day. Do it. But whatever you need to do is better than one game wild card to me. Yeah, and you travel without an off day all the time during the season. Yeah, it's not That's the end of the you, world. You know, right, you could pull it some, off, and well, especially with no fans. Right. You expect to be at some disadvantage, you know, winning a wild card or being a wild card team. You can deal with the travel to get in, but I'd much rather play three games. Yeah. You know, and it depends. I mean, what happens, too, is uh, if if some teams are allowed to have fans in by that point, some cities, and like Chicago is talking about having limited number of fans in, um, you know, if some some places have fans in, well, that changes the whole dynamic. But right now, you could argue Especially if a guy, you know, Freddie hits. There's several ballparks where he hits great in, like Arizona. If, if yeah. I mean, he'd love to have a three game series in Arizona. Yep. And if you got like a wife and kids at home, you know, you know, with responsibilities of home, I could see where Sometimes some guys it's nice being on the road, <laughs> right? And if there's yeah. no fans at that ballpark, you're playing a th- best of three playoff series, you know, on the road. I think some guys would rather have that than home, especially ones that hit well at certain ballparks or pitch well at certain ballparks. You know, the only thing that really I, I and I think it's a, it's a confidence thing for a lot of teams too is having that last at bat. Like you see how how many times sure. the Braves come back and they did it again in that sure. exhibition game. But right, um, being That's able to walk a team off and and use your closer on the on yeah. the at home are the two big advantages for me that that really make yeah. a difference. 
and fans obviously you know some some players are really affected by the pressure and can't handle it especially you know in a playoff or, or young guys but mainly it's it's just that that last at bat and and having to be able to use your closer otherwise i mean whatever you know home home or away doesn't really affect me too much Listeners, I'm telling you, you don't want to miss exclusive in-depth coverage the Athletic offers of this unprecedented sports season. Subscribe now and save. Sign up today to see for yourself the creativity, reporting, and storytelling that sets The Athletic apart. And if you go to theathletic.com slash 755 is real, all one word, 755 is real, you can receive 40% off an annual subscription. Sports are back, and you don't want to miss breaking stories on your favorite team. So go to theathletic.com forward slash 755 is real for 40% off an annual subscription. We hope to see you there. Wow. You're talking about home and away, the difference without fans. I thought the biggest example of that, early example, was Dodger Stadium last night. That place is like a cauldron for a regular game because they play the music so loud and there's clapping and, uh, uh, you know, everything is – Ultra high volume played over the PA system, including all the songs they play between yeah. innings, everything. It's just there's so much energy in that place. And that was absent last night. They're they're yeah. choosing to do it, turn down everything, and not create the same atmosphere. Whereas like Truist Park, they're doing the same things that they would do if the fans were there. It's up at ear-splitting levels, you know. And I think we're going to see it from place to place. It's going to really vary. But I don't think Dodger Stadium was it wasn't at all an intimidating place last night that it is in the normal circumstances. Dodger Stadium's tough as a reliever because it's almost like all the sound is directed right at the field. Uh-huh. They got those. They got this pile of speakers. <laughs> it always yeah. looks just like they just piled up like it's 75. like a concert, doesn't it? Looks like yeah. a concert. It's just a giant pile of speakers in center field, and it's just blast music yeah. and and like the who's just, getting ready to play. <laughs> yeah, all game they do that. And the thing is, in the bullpen, you're kind of tucked off in this wing, so uh-huh. it's it's not really hitting you. And the fans, they're all facing the field, so their energy doesn't hit you. But when you jog out on the field and they start booing, the volume goes up like three hundred percent. Like it gets three times as loud when you jog onto that field. I'm, the first time I jogged out there, I was like, "Holy shit, this is it's a lot louder than I thought it was." I mean, that kind of gets your attention. So in that aspect, you know, the environment it definitely makes a difference. But and it's and it's like the biggest stadium now that uh, they've scaled down the size of uh, 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 Coors Field. They they removed the upper deck there. Maybe Yankee Stadium. Oh, they is did. Big. Oh yeah, they removed the upper deck at Coors Field a couple years ago, three years ago. Really, it was too big. I didn't know yeah, that. It was too big because the first years they sold four million seats or whatever, four million tickets. But after that initial, you know, and they were good those years. And after that wore off, all of a sudden they had empty upper, upper deck. So they yeah. removed the upper deck and made it a party deck. They did a great job with it. So they oh have bar- yeah, yeah, I they, saw that. Yeah, it's really cool. They have bars up there. And right, because yeah, they used right to have that field. line in the seats at at Mile yeah, High, right? It's still there. Yeah, it's still there. It's still there. It's above that. The right field upper deck is gone. It's the party yep, deck now. I saw that. Yeah. So. So, but Dodger Stadium is as massive as it ever was, and I, the Braves go in there sometimes for a four-game weekend series. I remember a few years ago they drew they drew uh, about two hundred thousand for a Braves four-game weekend series. Yeah, and a lot of them are Braves fans. Braves fans yes. travel well, but it's loud. Those Dodger fans are loud with the they music cranked up. Yeah, especially the bleachers. The the fans yep. in the bleachers go pretty crazy. A lot of um, working class fans in the bleachers. I like it out there. Yeah, when they get the, when they pack that place. 
Yeah, I think that it'll just be, you know, every stadium's just kind of kind of make their own way and yeah. they're going to be figuring it out as they go, you know. If, exactly. if it feels dead, you go talk to the P, or the the audio guy and you just say like, "Hey man, you need to make some more play some music, make some more noise during the game." But uh, you know, a lot of the noise during the game is like the charge, the, the charge call and and the stuff that they try to do to get fan involvement. Right. And if it's not there, it's kind of lame if you're just like, right. you know, hearing that, but They'll figure it out. I think the Dodger players probably will go on the road and go back to them and say, hey, can we get it a little bit more like it normally is here? But who knows? We'll see. We did that in the playoffs in 2010 after that series at at, at San Francisco. Oh, yeah? Yeah. And San Francisco yeah, does a great job with that. Oh, my God. They were just blasting, yeah. blasting music. And they had people, Brian Wilson closing then and had that yeah. thing. That and their intro. crowd's almost – yeah, their crowd's <laughs> almost all adults too. So it's you yes, know everybody's it drinking and, and it is. they're probably smoking and just. I mean, they were loud. That was one of the best baseball environments I've ever been in. And we came back and and asked the it Braves dude. I think Scott's his name. We asked him to yeah. play some of that that dance music and stuff they were playing. He just played the uh, Sandstorm like every couple innings for the series. <laughs> it was like, man, he just blew that. wasn't even close to what they were doing. Yeah, there's. Uh, they kind of revolutionized the end game thing out there for a while. They had, you know, other teams have kind of caught up since then, but man, mm-hmm. they were so far ahead of it. They were way ahead. And that intro thing when Brian Wilson would come in and it was played, it was all, it played on the big old video. Was it jump around? Yeah, jump around. It was so cool, man. Yeah. And they had the close ups of his face and everything. That place was going crazy. Yeah. Remember, remember when they had Steve Perry there singing? Yep. Don't stop believing. Yep. Yeah, they were they were doing it right. That was a show. Ah, uh, because they play that like in seventh inning stretch or whatever, and he was there, and they showed him They're in the live. crowd. <laughs> yep. Um, so, so anyway, yeah, I like this format, uh, the sixteen team, not for a one sixty two game season, because then I think it would dilute the regular it season. It. Yeah, that's what's hard about the NBA's, or, or you yeah. look at the NFL and a team with a losing record gets yeah. in. It's it definitely dilutes it, but for this year, I think it's good. In, in a 60-game season when a COVID-19 test can so impact the team's performance for a week or three you weeks. Get everybody good Yeah, in. I think you cannot eliminate these good teams. And and they're doing it, for, obviously, for money because they want to make sure the best teams, the most attractive teams, get in. And yeah, hey, it's an insurance you, policy for right, sure. Right. And if you've got a better chance of getting Mike Trout and the Angels in there, you know, do for it. this, yeah, do it. So I don't blame them at all. Uh, it was they, what is it like fifty million? This the playoff format the players they they, they asked for for this thing. I don't know how many, what they ended up getting. Yeah, but, I think the fifty was what they had to get okay by the owners yesterday. Right, which over sixteen teams and thirty guys. I don't know. That's hard math for me, but you know, it's a little bonus for everybody. I'm guessing. So Ken Rosenthal wrote today about how this you know it's a, the documents are ever changing as they you know the protocols and. They're now having something where a player doesn't necessarily have to test two negatives if he's got if he's a excuse me speaking asymptomatic if he's asymptomatic he doesn't necessarily have to have the two negative tests they have like a board or panel they can go in front of so this is evolving as we go because like golf doesn't have it you know they have like if you're asymptomatic for ten days or whatever then you can you know it's and that's what I think like NASCAR is doing too so. I kind of do it, yeah, I, which makes sense. I mean, well, like what Tukey went through, you know, right. failing and, and what Will Smith's passing. going through, yeah, you know, just hanging out at home. But we just don't know. There's so much we don't know about this virus, you know, and whether you're how much you shed of the virus when you're asymptomatic. We just don't know. So. I feel like we don't know anything. I hear something yeah. different every yeah. day. You know, it's like everything contradicts itself. So, but yeah, my thing is, you're whether you make the playoffs or not should not be. 
heavily influenced by a, a guy a, getting sick, an almost random, you know, some guys test positive who are negative, some yeah. test negative who should have tested positive. You know what I mean? Yeah. You're leaving too much to that. If you have a, a, a season, a team making the playoffs or not, because one guy was out. I mean, because it could make the difference if Soto's out for two weeks. It could be a difference maker for them if it's a ten-team format. Yeah, but or even a is. team that's even a team that's got a chance to do something special and really sneak yeah. in. Yeah, that's that had no business in the playoffs, but to give their their city a shot like that, and then their, yeah, their best player hot. goes down or their ace yeah. gets hurt. A team gets hot in the second month. Yeah, and goes into the thing on fire. Hmm. Um, so, so yeah, the other thing is it's going to be the format is the first and second place teams in each division get in and then the seventh and eighth best record in each league get in. So theoretically you could have four teams from one division, make it really. Yeah. Yeah. If, if say the, if say the, the, the Braves and the nationals finish first and second in the NL East, they'd both be in and then say the Mets and the Phillies were right behind them, you know, within a couple of games behind them, they could also get in. That's the seventh and eighth seeds. That'd be pretty crazy. Uh-huh. So uh, how long the Braves are going to be without Will Smith? We don't know. It could be tomorrow. <laughs> I don't think tomorrow, but because he's still got a pitch. He hasn't faced live hitters. But he could be, you know, as far as getting declared or, uh, or eligible again, we just don't know. We haven't heard any updates. He still hasn't made through the protocols. And they're not allowed to talk because of HIPAA rules about where he is in the in the uh, testing and all that, uh, whether he's going before that panel and that kind of thing. But it, the good thing for the Braves is they flew to New York yesterday, and while the Nats were learning that Soto had tested positive, which is unfortunate for them, you hate to see a team not have its best guys, the Braves have all their best, you know, they're, they're without Will Smith, and Hamels is still hurt. But they have all the best guys, the key guys in their lineup are healthy, and that's a huge deal. The top three, especially with uh, Acuna, Ozzy, and Freddie. Yeah, and, I mean, imagine if Freddie was having to, to go uh, through what Smith or, or Tukey uh, was going through. I mean, the panic right now, not knowing yeah, when yeah. you're getting him back. Um, I mean, I think that's why it's smart they, they added the extra teams. But the team's looking good. So, if uh, yeah, if, if there's wiggle room now with eight teams from each league and uh, – that's gonna make it good, but but at the same time, it's not where a team can relax, you know, during because that nobody's gonna relax in a sixty game season. I think it's more of it's not panic if a guy gets hurt and go, you know, and then and also I think if a guy got hurt and a team kind of fell back, you'd also see it's a lot of teams trading people at the at the deadline, you know, a lot of teams just uh, waving a white flag. You're gonna see less of that now, obviously, in a sixteen. You're not gonna see many guy many teams trading key players because there's not I don't think many teams if maybe one or two are going to be way out of it by you know the trade deadline which is only a month into the season yeah well I think a lot of teams uh one of my buddies had just gotten released from the Marlins but he had said that when they when they got to this summer camp that they were their message was this is our best shot we've had in a long time to make the playoffs yeah you know and and I think a lot of teams you know whether the whether the front office adopts that or not I know that the mindset of the players is definitely like hey we even if we're rebuilding or we don't have a strong of a roster we could sneak in this year so so team-wise I know a lot of teams are thinking they could get in but even if you're you know even if you're making the moves and and managing a team or or the general manager you you got to expect that you know you could just get hot for three weeks and then be okay for the rest of the season yeah. and you might get in. So I, I could see a lot of teams going for it and different moves, but there's also that chance that the playoffs could get completely canceled still. 
And that could be so much better for your uh, for your rebuild yeah. than than trading guys and trying to get more prospects. You know, stoking the rebuild by showing these kids what it's like. You know, to get into, you have, to me that would do a lot more for your organization than getting one or two more prospects for you know that might be good three years from now. Yeah, I was like, what if the Marlins won the World Series and then blew up their rebuild because they already got the World Series? <laughs> they blew up the rebuild. Fire sale. That would be so Marlins, wouldn't it? Get in awesome. as the wild card again. <laughs> Win it. Keep keep their record intact of never winning the division. They've won two World Series and never won the division. <laughs> yeah, so I think that there's going to be some interesting stuff now. And then even you know, even if a team happens to get hot in the playoffs or they get matched up against a team that a guy fails a test going in the playoffs, I mean – it's still up in the air. I think it, it definitely dilutes the the fun of the regular season, having all these extra spots, yeah. the chaos of it. You know, yeah. I was looking forward to the chaos aspect, but for the game as a whole, you know, I, I think they know that they got to have the Dodgers, Nationals, teams like that have to be almost guaranteed a playoff spot. And the eight series going at once when the playoffs yeah. start is going to be just like March Madness to me with yep. baseball. That'll be fun. And, they, and they're going to really be happening cool. quick. It's going to have to happen, you know, the three game yeah. series, and then you're going to jump into the five. There's not going to be, because yeah. you know the, the playoffs get kind of boring once they you get do. to the league championship series or the World Series. And there's yeah. all these off days and travel days and stuff. It, it kind of gets pretty far spread out. So this will be cool to have that much uh, important baseball going on. Yeah, I can't stand that when one team sweeps yep. sweeps in the LCS and the other team goes seven games, and you're waiting a week and a half. You know, when there's one series going, it's, it's not five a days off and yeah, in nine days. Yeah. Um, so speaking of Dodger Stadium, the cutouts, we have a difference of opinion on the cardboard I cutouts. I think I it's them. cartoony. I think it's just gimmicky. And I can't stand the fact that they made them larger than life size. What is the point? I don't get it. It's too distracting to me. You're looking at instead of you're looking at, is that Tommy Lasorda? Yeah, that's Lasorda instead of watching the, what's going on on the field. Uh, after like three or four beers, man, I loved them. They, it was it felt like just watching a normal baseball game. They're just kind of there's just I don't want to look at the seats back there. For me, anything better than seats are advertising. How could it feel like watching a normal baseball game? Seeing huge cardboard cutouts in the you seats. You don't look at them. You're looking at the plate. You're looking at the action on the field, and it just there's just heads in the background. Like so, and, you look and they, at they pump in the crowd noise. It just feels normal to oh, me. So you so you look you you're taking the opposite. Uh, I don't look view, at them at all. View of it, but yeah. they're they're like background. You know, so if there's the empty seats there, you you find you're you're distracted by the empty seats. I wouldn't think the game counted. It would bother <laughs> me if there was empty seats. <laughs> but if there's so cardboard could, cutouts, you they think could put cardboard <laughs> cutouts of donkeys back there, and I'd be happy. It feels Just like anything the game but empty then. seats. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Exactly. That's that's kind of that's my logic. All right. Well, speaking of <laughs> empty seats. There, this thing. I now, I now I'm all. Let's, let me just start by uh, saying that the crowd noise. We've talked about this, and I'm one of you know. I, I am. But uh, you didn't think you were going to like it. I didn't think I was going to like it. I thought it was gimmicky. I like it. I like it a lot more than the dead silence. The crowd noise is good. They've handled it well. It feels authentic, and you're you're totally understand why they're doing it because it to me yep. it's distracting to have total silence. And nobody has played in and total silence. Even a minor league game with a thousand people in the crowd or five hundred people in the crowd, there's still noise. There's no noise when there's nobody in the crowd in a fifty thousand or forty thousand seat ballpark. So I like the, the only crowd place noise. there's total silence is rookie ball out in yeah. the desert or, or Florida. There's nobody <laughs> or, there and it's it's miserable. But. Or the Arizona Fall <laughs> League, same thing. <laughs> yeah, ten o'clock yeah, games it. or one yep. o'clock games, or whatever. Uh, the uh, so the crowd noise were good. We're good with that. 
Uh, we'll see. That. We'll see if somebody overdoes it, you know, with the crowd noise. But so far, I like it, and and I like that steady hum thing that they have—the kind of white noise thing, the droning sound. That's what I like. Yeah, you know, that's kind of what the cardboard cutouts are to me too. It's like just another little background yeah. hum type they, thing. <laughs> as they need to, they need to have somebody good on the on the uh, on the button though to time yeah. it because timing is everything. If you have a guy hit a home run and the cheers don't go up until like two seconds later, it ruins it for it's me. Fake. You got to hit it on the fly is, ball. The other thing is they've got to, and I know this they're not because it's MLB is why they're not doing this so far at least, but you need to have some booze or some gasp or something when the opposed, because it really stands out when the opposing player, like when Stanton hit the home run last night at DC, there's no reaction. It's like, okay, that sounds weird when you have the steady drone thing. Then you have no reaction when a guy hits a huge home run. There should but why be a would a boo or, be a bad thing anyway? You know, that's just exactly. realistic that the fans are going to boo or they usually make like a sigh or there's just a little bit of clapping and you know, there's always some noise when the home run happens. I mean, you're going to tell me that in Philly or New York, you know, city field, they're not going to have a boo effect. So when a, when a pitcher gets lit up and he's getting taken out in the middle of the inning, there's no reaction. That will be so inauthentic. That'll be so in Philly. It should be a boo after ball too. If a reliever comes in the game and throws two balls, <laughs> they should start booing. And they should have the the t shirt gun. They should load it up with batteries, right? Shoot them onto yeah. the field <laughs> to make it yeah. real. Yeah, <laughs> yeah um, you got to have some booze. I I, th- I guess though, you know, the somebody's doing that job and they're working for the team, so that you know the team might not want you booing your own players. I guess, but well, I'm done. I'm sure that's what it is because it's coming yeah. from MLB. They gave them an iPod. It's got like seventy sounds on it. I don't think no one booze. Boo for horrible pitcher, your home pitcher. <laughs> boo be. for ro- boo for opposing pitcher. <laughs> but there should be. Real. It should be. But I feel for that guy because I think in some places, especially that have cut budget cuts, you got the same guy probably is doing both that, the whole and, scoreboard, everything, and the walk up songs. The pitchers want everything. So that's a that's quite a job when you're used to doing one thing. You know, I can't imagine one guy's doing all that because that's. That's a know, lot there's of. Been, there's been some pretty severe budget cuts, man. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> uh, they uh, so, but anyway, what what we were getting to, you could say what you want about the cutouts. Okay, I can live with the cutouts. I think it's kind of cartoony, but okay, and with the crowd noise, I like it. But this is a bridge too far. Fox Sports announced yesterday that they will enhance enhance their major league telecast this year with virtual fans who will appear computer-generated. I hate this idea. This is the worst idea to come out of this entire pandemic baseball so far to me. <laughs> you are going all of a sudden, you are making this like, like uh like a Hollywood motion picture. You're make you are creating now. The next thing you have is creating the games themselves. But I just hate the fact that people are going to tune in. And if they're not, you know, if they're not thinking about it or they're not fully aware that every ballpark is empty, they're going to not have any idea that those are phony fans and that, that like a green screen in effect. Can't stand it. I don't understand why you do that. Yeah, I'm going to I'm going to guess I'm not going to like that. I'm holding out hope just because I wound up liking the, all the other shit they're doing. But you know, even it's just it. I I think it'd be too hard to make it clean. Even the yeah. even the advertising, like Garrett Cole right, had a right. green square on the back of his right. head yesterday for a couple innings. <laughs> you know, that's distracting for me watching on TV. But just stuff like that. You know, I, I don't know yeah. how you're going to pack a stadium full of fans, digital fans, and and not have it 
Or like well, they, even the last year in the playoffs when they had that giant cheese ball in center yes, field in yes, St. Louis, like shit yes. like that. Just come on, you know. If yes, it's anything it like that quality, too. it's good. it wasn't yeah. always perfectly. Yeah, well, Hollywood does it because they have huge budgets. You know, yeah, tens and hundreds of millions of dollars budgeted for movies, so they get it perfect. But you're going to have to do this while it's live, while it's happening, and have the fans centered perfectly in the shot. So that could really mess it up. But even if they do it perfectly, I still hate the idea. I think it screws with the integrity of the viewing experience on a live sporting events. It's just hot to Hollywood. It's unethical, in my opinion. 30, 40 years from now, when people are watching videos of this year, they're going to go, isn't that the year where they had no fans in a stand? So was this one of the places where they allowed some fans or they, were they all crowded around in the lower pole? I just, I hate the, I hate the idea. There's no way it's convincing. Knowing. It's going to be the same quality as those giant cardboard cutout heads you don't like. You know, it's going to look awkward. <laughs> yeah, it won't be like that. They'll make it'll it look awkward. pretty real, man. No, it'll be like the video game stand, you know, like where every, right, every right. block, you just have blocks that they've installed uh-huh. that are just all doing the same movements, you know, and then you just go down the line, you see the same fans <laughs> 75 times. I you think promise so? It's, I promise it's going to be like that. Okay. And so here's the other thing. If once you do this, talk about a slippery slope. What's to stop it? You know, like uh, you know, like uh, commercials used to, and then maybe they still do have subliminal advertising, where like in a drink commercial, there's something in the ice cubes. You never know, you ever no. study that in college or high school? Mm-mm. Advertising. No, I didn't do a lot of studying, Dave. Okay, yeah. Well, advertising. We took this. They have subliminal advertising, and like, a, and like, and, and they do still do this. Like, there'll be a whiskey commercial, and they'll show a glass of whiskey in the ice. They're they'll put. You can't, you have to, you would have to, you, I don't think you could even stop your TV on that instance, but they put things on the ice cube subliminally. There's advertising going on. Well, what's hmm. to stop them from doing this? If you're creating these fans, what's to stop them from putting like a political message on a fan's t-shirt or advertising on a fan's t-shirt? You know what I mean? You know, stuff that, did I just see? No, I didn't, I didn't see that. If you want to advertise, you know, there's, it's already digital and they already throw digital ads on the stands, like whatever. But as soon as it starts getting political, I mean, it, yeah, I would want to, I want to break from all that. If that, that would be where I'd get like, I'd get pretty frustrated with it and not want to, I just don't want any, if you scroll, I don't follow anything political on Twitter and I still 80% of it winds up being political. You know, I, like you can't keep it out of your face these days and right. Sports are supposed to be a break from that. So if I felt like I was kind of getting manipulated in that sense, I'd probably turn the game off. Listeners, I'm sure you think you know how to celebrate opening day, but the only real way to do it is with a dugout mug, which is a company that was started in a college baseball dugout. What they do is they take a barrel of a baseball bat and turn it into a 12-ounce mug. And guess what? These mugs are licensed by Major League Baseball. Listen, it's no secret, but... You can have the Atlanta Braves logo engraved on the side of your Birchwood baseball bat barrel mug. I think that's pretty cool. It's perfect for the big game for opening day to put on display to drink from. You could use it for pretty much anything you wanted to. So make sure to go to dugoutmugs.com slash theathletic and use the promo code MLB30. That's all one word, MLB30, for 30% off your first purchase. That's dugoutmugs.com slash theathletic and code MLB30. Fill that baseball void with your very own dugout mug today. All right. Well, we're back, and that doesn't happen very often, but in the in 2020, in the age of the coronavirus, probably will happen again. We just got interrupted recording the podcast hours before opening the opening game by the news that the Braves, both of the Braves catchers, did not make the trip to New York. Both of them. Tyler Flowers and Travis Darno both felt sick, and – 
stayed back in Atlanta. The good news, both tested negatives for uh, COVID-19. Again, both tested negative, but they have symptoms. And Braves couldn't risk bringing them on the trip, so they had them both stay back because, you know, God forbid they'd come on the trip and then they end up testing positive and you could infect the whole team. I mean, you could, you just can't do that in this day and age. So both of them stayed back. As a result, they've recalled both Alex Jackson and William Contreras, two rookie catchers. They had been, they took the, the flight. They were on the taxi squad. You could, you're allowed to bring three guys on their, your squad, your taxi squad. So they just, uh, activated both of them. They recalled both of them and Flowers and, Darno go on the COVID-19 list, which means they can come off at any time. There's not a 10-day minimum. Okay, so that's what they, I was going to ask. I was going to yeah. ask that. So if they feel better, you know, in a couple of days and they're still testing negative, they can come right back. If, if just a cold, basically, you know, if that's yeah. all it was. So well, that's why they set up the COVID something. list. Yeah, and Freddie Freeman came on. We talked to him after that, and he said – he was uh, praising both of those guys for being honest. He said, I've talked to the position guys. They had somebody else talk to the pitchers and told them, you got to be honest. If you're not feeling well, even if you test negative, you got to be honest because you could risk really bringing down the whole team if you get others infected. So you have to do it, but that's not easy. I mean, after after basically yeah. six months of spring training, yeah. you know, the, no, the big sh- break, another camp, no, you do all that work and you get a cold right before opening day. I feel for those guys, but Especially that, it's a tough Travis- one to make. Especially your Travis Darno, you signed a two-year deal, and this is your first, you know, series against your old team too. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Want to go out there and prove something? <laughs> so hopefully, the Braves will hopefully, uh, you know, they hope to get both of those guys back very soon. But in the interim, you know, Alex Jackson has got some experience; he'll handle himself fine behind a plate. And they love what they've seen from William Contreras. He's really made strides in the last year in spring training and summer camp. Uh, both are, you know, William Contreras is one of their top prospects. He and Langoliers are their top catching prospects. So, you know, the next up could be Shea Langoliers. If anything were to happen, one of these two guys or if Alex Jackson didn't look ready or, or just doesn't, they don't like his bat or whatever. But I, wow. they that's don't one want of the to, situations we were talking about though, where on the depth chart, you could be like the fifth or sixth man. Yeah. Now you're the next guy up. Yeah. <laughs> and they also have Jonathan Morales on there. They don't have another experienced guy though, uh, as a third catcher. They didn't they didn't sign one of those and they might maybe they'll be wishing they did, but they Gerald Laird wasn't floating around, huh? <laughs> or the guy with uh, three names that they had last year from Arizona, three first names. <laughs> yeah. Joe Ryan, Joe Mur- Murphy. Right? Remember that guy? Yeah. John Ryan <laughs> yeah. Murphy or something. Yeah, John like Ryan. That. Yeah, exactly. Uh-huh. So, but that's where they are. So they, so this is, you know, Snit has said this is going to, it's going to be a daily thing this year. You might lose guys to positive tests. You might lose guys in this case that just weren't feeling well. So they didn't make the trip. And this comes a day after the other big news for the Braves yesterday when they released their 30 man roster was Cole Hamels going on the 45 day IL. So Cole Hamels, you could retroactive it to activate it to July 20th. So, he will not be eligible till the end of the first week of September. So he's going to miss more than the first month of the season. I feel you like know? it was looking like that anyway, though. <coughs> yeah, he didn't face hitters yet. You, get, you yeah. got to build him up. And when you want, when he comes back, you're not going to, especially with an older guy, you're not going to want him throwing an inning or two at a time and doing you know something out of the bullpen to get in games. You're just going to wait till he's 100% ready. So that, that's what it was looking like anyway. Yeah, you had said, you know, basically you're aiming now for you hope to have him for the final week's stretch drive and then the postseason. Yeah. 
And if he pitches fine in that span, he will have been worth the – they're paying him a little less than $7 million this year. So if they get a month's worth of good starts at him, or four weeks of good starts at him, and then the postseason, he wins a couple of postseason games, it'll all have been worthwhile. But right now, that sign is not looking too good. No, nah, I mean, that's that's the thing with those one-year kind of gambles. Yeah. I mean, J.D. paid off last year, but right. even with Hamels, if you just get one or two starts in the regular season, it, you're going to – I mean, you got a really good shot of making the playoffs with 16 teams, so he's going to make his money in the postseason. That's that's what they got him for. And uh, Max Freed pointed out yesterday that he has been even beyond what Max had hoped for as far as advice and tips, you know, the change-up, just everything in general. You know, the two similar guys, tall left-handers with a change-up that Max is trying to develop his change-up to be something what, like what Cole had, but yeah. both mid nineties fastballs when Cole was younger and good curveballs. If he got Hamill's change up, I mean, and that's, I'm, I'm curious about if, you know, normally when you're on the DL, they might send you to Orlando or something, but I'm guessing he'll be in Atlanta working out with the team, at least yeah. when they're in town. Oh yeah. These are Gwinnett working out with those guys. Yeah. So he'll be around. I mean, he, he's got plenty of value off the field too. There's nobody at, you know, you would have gone down to Northport now, nobody but there. there's nobody there because yeah. there's no minor league. So that's closed down. I'm, I think it's not even open right now. So, so yeah, he'll have he'll be able to talk to all those young other young guys up at Gwinnett as well. He won't have Max Freed on a daily basis up there, but he's already talked to him a lot during camp and spring training. Yeah, that's cool. That's that's going to be well. If you could just get him back, you know, for the postseason, that's so, that's that's where the whole focus would be for me now. So that's a pretty big blow for the Braves, depending on how long they're out without those guys. I tell you, Travis Darno, really the bat had looked impressive. I mean, this guy's got some thump, and that would have been nice because you look at their lineup today, and it's a pretty impressive lineup, man. I mean, yeah. you know, you know, with uh, with uh, uh, you know, one through six, you got Ozuna in a four hole. You got Adams in there, and you got Riley in there. If those guys Riley's are all hitting it good, yeah, if those guys the, are hitting. That's a lot of power, man. With those the two balls three. that Riley hit, those two homers. When I see him taking a ball middle in and hitting right. it out to center field, right? Because I think his his weakness has kind of been the slider. Yeah, um, he yeah. he was on them all early, but then I think he got he started getting so many it got in his head a little bit, but. When he's driving the ball middle into center field, that tells me he's covering away too. You know, the only place to get him out might be in. Yeah. Um, but when you see a guy driving it to center and staying through the ball like that, that gives him a lot better shot to cover those sliders. Yeah, and he hit that last summer. He hit was right center the other night. So when he's doing mm-hmm. that, he did that when he first came up last year. Yeah, you know, he started sliding the hip and all that, and getting fooled and out front and and kind of flailing at those people get ahead of him throw that slider, and he's kind of just defenseless if he if he's that dude he was when he first got called up though or something close to it i mean this lineup's a nightmare he spit on a slider the other day before he hit that home run that was really yep. impressive you know staying yep. back he's able to you know just changes everything with him yeah i think the best hitters all do that you know drive the ball to right center um but that's what he got into that habit last year protecting so much and then getting caught in between even when you saw him hit balls really hard he was kind of pulling them he wasn't driving the ball the other way so that's a big step man all right. Well, the Braves uh, play here in a couple of hours. So uh, at, as we record this thing, so we'll see. It's uh, we're getting started. <laughs> we, the the plane is about to leave the ground on this season. <laughs> we're here, and, and for a while it didn't. Odds. It did not look like that was going to happen. So the Braves will just hope they can avoid losing anybody else. <laughs> Key. Uh, to their success, because you know it's nice having those two veteran catchers, you know, handle this young staff. I tell you, 
that, you know what the good the good news is about that though is Soroka so mature and and Freed yeah. so mature. You're, it's not like you're just right. getting stuff guys through games where you really need a, a super smart catcher back there. I feel like those guys, yeah, they're they're mature beyond the years. They have a pretty good idea what they're doing, so it might not hurt that much. It would have been worse last year. Yes, yeah, Soroka's first season. Mm-hmm. Freed, you know, still figuring his way through. Yeah, it would have been worse last year. So. But good matchup tonight, man. I'm excited to watch this game. Yeah, good pitching, good pitchers matchup. It's gonna be cool. All right, well, we'll we'll be back on uh, Tuesday to talk about the Braves South series with the Mets win and the and and the first game with uh, Tampa Bay. We'll have been through four starters then and be preparing for Kyle Wright's number five start. <laughs> uh, so we'll talk to you then. But this is fun. We'll uh, hopefully the Braves will have plenty of uh, good news over the weekend. Then talk about some stuff that happens yeah we'll have some stuff to talk about yeah no doubt all right 755 is real we're out